Hey, Unchained listeners. As you know, it's hard keeping up with the fast-paced world of crypto, so we've got just the thing for you. Subscribe to our free Unchained daily newsletter at unchainedcrypto.substack.com. You'll get the latest crypto news and original articles from our reporters, as well as summaries of other happenings and bullet points, plus our meme of the day, all curated and written by our amazing team. It's still your no-hype resource for all things crypto, just in newsletter form. Sign up at unchainedcrypto.substack.com. Again, the URL is unchainedcrypto.substack.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Unconfirmed, the podcast that reveals how the marquee names in crypto are reacting to the week's top headlines and gets the inside scoop on what they see on the horizon. I'm your host, Laura Shin. Element Group is a full-service advisory firm for the digital asset capital markets. Element delivers crypto economics, financing, and strategy advisory services for the industry's leading projects. To learn more about Element and receive exclusive research on digital assets, visit www.elementgroup.com slash unconfirmed. Token Agency is a proven full-service blockchain startup accelerator, helping launch only the best and brightest projects in crypto. With a project acceptance rate of less than 1%, let their team of experienced advisors and marketing specialists build gravity around your company. To learn about their top projects and more, check out tokenagency.com. I'm recording from the gorgeous, idyllic, Rockefeller Foundation's Bellagio Center on Lake Como, Italy, where it's just starting to rain, so you might hear some thunder in the background, uh, but where I'm also attending the New America Blockchain Trust Accelerator Blockchain Summit, which is an intimate gathering of 18 people focused on how blockchain technology can be used for social impact. It's been, as you would expect of such a conference, an intellectually stimulating couple of days, which brings me to today's topic, blockchain ethics, and my guest today. Kara LaPointe, a senior fellow at Georgetown University's Beck Center for Social Impact and Innovation. Welcome, Kara. Thank you, Laura. It's great to be here. I've been hearing you've been working on this framework for blockchain ethics. Tell me about it. Yes. So for the past year, we've been developing this framework. We call it the blockchain ethical design framework. And it's really a way to build ethical intentionality into the design of blockchain technology. We've been focusing on the social impact and social good applications of blockchain, but it's really a, a process for anybody who's influencing blockchain for social good to make sure they're thinking about all the ethical issues involved. And really, we always say you can make small design decisions with blockchain and it can have huge ethical impacts. So you may not even realize that you're making decisions that have ethical implications, but you are. And what are some examples? Well, some of our examples are, you know, there are people doing great things with blockchain, right? I mean, there are identity systems for people who don't have formal identity to help them access services, right? But as you create those identity systems, if, if you're not conscious about the potential unintended impacts of that technology, you may inadvertently create it in a way that you're exposing those people who are often marginalized populations anyway, to exploitation or their data, to transparency and exposure. So these are are all things that are overcomable, but you just need to think about it during the design stage. Oh, interesting. And so what are some of the questions that people should be asking when they're trying to design these blockchains? Well, we spent a lot of time, you know, before we developed the framework, we spent about six months just listening, developing a whole community of people from all different backgrounds, because there's no one organization or even one field that's going to solve these challenges. We talked to people in the blockchain space. 
developers, the funders, the program managers. We talk to people in the social impact space, people who are either funding solutions, people who are are working out in the field. We talk to people from the ethics space and the privacy space and so many other different organizations, engineering standards. You know, all these different people have to come together and help you figure out, you know, how do you do this, right? And we listened and we, we asked them. I said, okay, in these different situations, these different applications, what are all the ethical challenges? What are the things that could come up in one of two ways? One, if the systems work as they're intended, but you have unintended consequences. Or two, the potential that people may manipulate the systems for their own benefit, right? So we took all of those those questions and issues that came up, and we really put it into six different categories that were really the root issues of the questions. One is governance. You know, how do you establish and maintain the governance because blockchain is all about rules. So who sets up the rules and how those rules are set up are really important. And then identity, because it's all about identity. Identity is the way you access services and you access systems. So how you create identity in a blockchain really matters. You know, what constitutes that identity? Is it just some identifiers? Do you have some kind of username? Or is it your whole identity where people have to know everything about you for you to access those services? The third thing is access. Who has access to the systems, right? The physical access, the digital literacy is a piece of access. The fourth element is how you authenticate the transactions and verify the inputs to the system. And then the fifth thing is really data ownership. Blockchain gives you this amazing ability to actually transfer control over digital assets, but who are you giving control to? Who owns that data? And finally, security. How are you securing information on a blockchain? And how did you come to do this? Well, so this is an area I've been working in for a long time in, in terms of the intersection of technology and policy and ethics and, frankly, leadership, because it's all about people. Um, you know, my background's in autonomous systems, so I'd came from a military background and we'd been dealing with these issues around autonomous systems in the military for a long time. And so I came to blockchain about a year ago and I came over to Georgetown specifically to do this project. And it's really, you know, I'm an engineer, but I always say I've never met an engineering problem that's not also about people, right? It's really how you start to understand how you bring together people from all these different backgrounds to address these really challenging issues, right? And blockchain is this amazing opportunity because the technology is so nascent. We have the opportunity as the standard technologies are being formed to make sure that this ethical intentionality is driven into the technology from the very beginning. And what sort of dangers do you see if we don't do that? Well, you know, what happens can happen with technology is, is, you know, when you're driven by different factors, you know, whether you're driven by a profit motive or a certain incentive, often you, you are looking at the outcome you're trying to achieve and you just think about how the technology applies to the problem you're trying to solve. But if you don't specifically sit down and in a systematic way, think through what the unintended consequences of that technology are, you'll probably have unintended consequences. With some technologies, that's okay because you can redirect course right? But with other technologies, it's more catastrophic. Blockchain is all about the rules. You're setting up a set of governance rules by which every transaction in the system is going to be governed, right? And so it's much harder to change course down the road. So you have to be especially thoughtful from the very beginning as you're setting up these rules about what those bad things that could happen are. So you can try to prevent them. There's no way you can prevent everything. But if you're not even thoughtful and systematic about how you approach the issues, you're going to come out with a far worse outcome. 
now that we're in the Facebook slash Cambridge Analytica dystopian world of the internet, what bad or even dystopic outcomes do you see happening potentially with blockchain technology if we're not conscious or careful about how we proceed? Well, you know, people talk about blockchain in very extreme terms. Some people talk about it as completely changing the power structures in the world and bringing democratization to, to data and, and in all kinds of areas. And some people are very pessimistic and saying that blockchain is going to create huge, horrible outcomes for people and, and consolidate power where power exists. I think the reality actually exists somewhere in between. But what blockchain does is it has the ability to create power. And you have to be very careful that when you're creating power, where you're, where it's being consolidated, right? You have inequalities all over society today. So blockchain has the ability to codify and even exacerbate those inequalities, right? Or blockchain has the ability to try to alleviate some of those inequalities, but it's all about how you design it and how you implement and employ it. Well, so far, I would say in some respect, at least, it is kind of perpetuating the existing inequalities. Um, I've done some reporting that shows that many of the people who've become extremely wealthy from crypto are people who were simply wealthy when it came out and they got in early and were able to amass a lot of coins in an early stage. So do you have particular concerns about how, it's, how blockchain technology is developing so far? Well, I, I do have a concern, and that's why we've done this project. You know, we've, we've done this project because you can talk about, oh, it's a problem, that this might happen in terms of exacerbating inequalities, but I don't like to just talk about problems. I like to come up with solutions, right? So you can sit and talk about a problem all day long, but we have tried and, and created this tool that people can actually use to create better blockchains, we're going to talk a little bit more about how people can use this topic, but first a quick word from our fabulous sponsors. Element Group is a full-service advisory firm for the digital asset capital markets. Element delivers crypto economics, financing, and strategy advisory services for the industry's leading projects. Element's goal is to focus on clients in an integrative manner by offering all services a crypto-enabled company requires throughout its life cycle, such as corporate finance, asset management, OTC trading, treasury solutions, and technology services. To learn more about Element and receive exclusive research on digital assets, visit www.elementgroup.com unconfirmed. Token Agency is a proven, full-service blockchain startup accelerator, helping launch only the best and brightest projects in crypto. With a project acceptance rate of less than 1%, let their team of experienced advisors and marketing specialists build gravity around your company. Today's highlighted project is Signum Capital and 500 Startups Backed Physical, spelled with an F. Physical is the world's first code-complete, fully functional, decentralized location data marketplace. Founded in 2014, Physical is an established business with live customers and revenue, selling over 15 billion location data points per month to publicly traded companies. Join the whitelist and learn more at physical.org. That's F-Y-S-I-C-A-L.org. And check out tokenagency.com to learn more. I'm speaking with Kara LaPointe, Senior Fellow at Georgetown University. Who do you plan to give this framework to or who do you expect to use it? Well, so we've really designed it for anybody who can influence a blockchain project, right? And so we, we are geared towards and hoping that lots of people will use it, right? And it can be a policymaker 
or a funder or someone who's not directly developing a blockchain, but we want them to be aware of it so that they can make sure that the people who are developing the blockchains for them are driving this process into the development. You know, we're also working with standards organizations because ultimately this has to be part of the requirements process. I've been a, a, a program manager. And when you're a program manager, you're beholden to the cost, schedule, and performance of whatever you're developing, right? So we have to find a way that this ethical intentionality is driven into the requirements that someone is held accountable for. So we're really focusing on the people that are the ones that are going to hold these projects accountable to make sure this is part of that process. And in the case of a public blockchain like Bitcoin or Ethereum, where there isn't that kind of outside check, how would you advise them to use the framework? Or, or is there some way to kind of urge or, or um, enforce them to, to think about these issues? Well, I think this question of incentivization is very important, right? And one of the fascinating things about blockchain is it changes all kinds of structures and incentivization structures, Right. So I would absolutely encourage people to use this framework. And just like the iterative development process that we are proposing in the framework or, or advocating in the framework, you know, this framework itself will be iterative, right? We want to put it out there and it'll be the first, the first pass at it. And we want people to use it and we want people to tell us how it works, how it doesn't work, how we can make it better, but ultimately how we can make it useful. Because if it's just a framework that people look at and say, Oh, that's nice. That's not helpful to anybody. Right. So the the effort to build this community and keep getting feedback from the community is not over. It's really just beginning. And the governance issue, which was the first ethical issue that you brought up, that's a huge, huge, huge topic in the blockchain community, particularly in the public blockchains. It's been a huge um, issue in Bitcoin for more than a few years. Um, in Ethereum now, they're really grappling with some very specific issues regarding governance. And there are all these new public blockchains that are coming out that have like built in what they call on-chain governance, where, you know, there's like a voting mechanism for adopting upgrades to the protocol and stuff like that. What do you make of those forms of governance, of on-chain governance? Do you think that's a better way? Is that a more ethical way or... What do you make of it? Well, I think no matter how you do the governance, you need to be asking basic questions about what the effect of governance is, right? Technology is a tool. Sometimes people look at technology as a panacea and we're still in that hype cycle of blockchain, right? But which is always important. You need people to be excited and be enthusiastic and to drive the technology, right? But as you're developing governance, you need to ask, who does this benefit? How does this work? How, what happens if this blockchain goes away, right? These are the kinds of things that no matter whether it's on-chain governance or whether you're developing other governance structures around the blockchain itself, there are questions that you need to ask as you're developing that basic structure to create the rules. And as I also mentioned earlier, when I t spoke about the existing inequalities that are being perpetuated, I've also seen and many people have noted that the space tends to be dominated by men. And I wondered if you had issues and, and, you know, not just men, but white men, frankly. So I just wondered what, you know, ideas you had around what questions need to be asked in order to generate more diversity in the space or what you think could be done for that. Um, well, specifically when you're talking about diversity in the space, I, I have been a woman engineer for over two decades. I was a woman engineer in the military for, for decades. Um, it is not unusual in this space. It, 
in the technology space in general, it is not unique to blockchain. You know, I've been an extreme advocate for STEM outreach, even before it was called STEM outreach. So I think that there are definitely some things we need to do in the space to make sure that diversity of all forms are represented. I think in terms of specifically when you're talking about the development of blockchain and these projects, you have to have a partnership model. Right. No one can, I, I don't imagine that somebody would take this tool, answer all the questions themselves and be able to do that. You know, part of this is really assessing the entire ecosystem of whatever outcome you're trying to achieve. You have to understand who are the people involved? What is the community? What's the existing infrastructure when it comes to either technology or, or the laws and the regulations? The economics of it, how things are financed is really important. So when you're coming to, when you're talking about how you're going to implement this ethical framework, you have to have diversity just in that implementation. You have to bring a lot of voices to the table. So from an individual project basis, you know, technologists alone are not going to solve any of these big challenges that we have, but no individual sector is. That's why you have to have that diversity of voices at the table. And when you release this, who do you plan to release it to? Do you plan to send it to specific projects or, you know, how, how do you imagine it will be taken up by the community? Well, I mean, we'll release it in about a month. It'll come out and we'll release it to um, the the community that we have developed along the way. And, you know, we, we hope to get it out, as I said, to the influencers, to the people that are funding projects, whether they're foundations, whether they're companies, whether they're government entities, right? You know, we've talked to all different types of entities. And the more that we can get this out there as a tool for people to use, but we're also very involved in figuring out, okay, so yes, you can release a tool, but then how do you actually get it to be adopted? As we talked about before, in, the, in terms of you have to figure out what are those incentivization models, right? But also what are the additional products and platforms and how do you actually integrate this? I've had a lot of conversations with people that this is really focused at kind of the influencer community, right? And then a next step would have to be how do you go deeper into the developer community because they are going to interact with it in a different way and you almost need a different layer to interact. So that's this is some of the feedback we're looking for about how do you do that in a way that it will be useful. It doesn't just add another layer of burden onto something you know that a busy program manager or developer already has to deal with. We want it to be useful and effective, but not onerous or burdensome. Yeah. And I wonder how you can not only release it, but to get them to actually use it. Do you have any plans around that? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I always say you create a revolution one person at a time and one relationship at a time, right? I mean, you have to build relationships with people who are actually doing these projects, right? And you have to build that relationship and, and test it out. Just like any other project, you need to do pilots and test it out and have some people use it and give us feedback in terms of, you know, what are the mechanisms by which it is the most useful. I also want to ask you about your experience with autonomous systems and how that comes together with blockchains, because everybody's always talking about how AI and blockchains are a very powerful combination. What dangers do you see in mixing those two? And how does the framework change when you put those two technologies together? Well, so as you know, my background is in autonomous systems and military autonomous systems. And I think it's really important to understand that these are all technologies that are taking large amounts of data and processing them to come up with information but in different ways. But that information can be used along multiple vectors. That information can be used to inform people. That information can be used to recommend actions to people, or it can be used to act on its own, to act autonomously. And I think that there is real synergy between the technologies where you can, get, you can create some interesting outcomes by layering the technologies together. I think if you're not thoughtful about the way you do it, when you have these, these, these multiple 
ways of taking data and creating action independently and autonomously, you have to be careful how you layer it, right? As you start to layer different algorithms and different smart contracts, you just have to be thoughtful about how you do it. And if you do it right, the, the potential for how you can impact things is incredible. Yeah. I think the reason also I was especially interested in this is because everybody's always talking about how with the AI algorithms, the, you don't have visibility into how they've learned things. So I do sometimes wonder, oh, if you put it together with, as you said, these automated systems, these blockchains that run on rules, I feel like if we're not even sure what is making the machine do what it does, then the potential there can be quite dangerous. Um, but my last question for you is about this framework. There's a lot of talk about self-regulation in the blockchain and crypto space right now. Do you think that this framework could be used in some fashion in that regard? Absolutely. I mean, it, it, we are providing a tool for people to use to drive better outcomes with their blockchains, right? It's really a tool that it doesn't give answers. It asks questions and it encourages people to ask questions in a methodical process in different areas that we know that there are a lot of potential impacts out of, right? It is a tool that somebody can use when they're developing their own product to make sure that they're going to get the best possible outcomes. Then it's also a tool we're thinking about how can you kind of get more broader adoption with it? Great. Well, is there anything you want to add on blockchain ethics? It's important. You need to think about it. And, you know, as an engineer, I, I know you need to build something in from the very beginning. It can't be an afterthought because it gets more and more expensive and harder to the point of impossibility. So this ethics you have to bake in from the very beginning of developing your technology and your solutions. Great. Well, it's been fantastic having you on the show. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for joining us today. To learn more about the topics we discussed, be sure to check out the links in the show notes of your podcast episode. New episodes of Unconfirmed come out every Friday. If you haven't already, rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you like this episode, share it with your friends on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn. Unconfirmed is produced by me, Laura Shin, with help from Elaine Selby, Fractal Recording, Jenny Josephson, and Daniel Ness. Thanks for listening. 